Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 28. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled, but some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? You say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So we covered a decent amount of ground today, mm -hmm. Will, and one of which is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, you know, this is a Luke's version is slightly pared down. It's the same in essence, but slightly pared down than, you know, what we might have said at, at like before football games in high school and whatever. <laughs> um, but 
we have that. And then, you know, this knock and it shall be opened sort of instruction on prayer that follows and this exorcism um, and this argument about Jesus's power and where it comes from. And then a really confusing passage about a spirit going through waterless places and returning back to its original owner. So be it. And uh, so what are, what are your thoughts on, you know, we can uh, just stop it, start at the top and go from there, but what are your well, thoughts? Well, let me start at the, the end. Cause you didn't oh, mention this great, this great Jesus juke. That oh, Jesus this is a great Jesus juke. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I that. Blessed is the womb that pour you and, and the breast at which you nurse. But he goes, no, Blessed rather are those yeah. who hear the word of God and she keep it. She was just it. trying to be nice. She was just yeah. trying to be nice. Poor woman. Jesus, Jesus juked her. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. Okay. So jumping back to the top. Uh, yeah. So the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, the fact that the Lord's Prayer is slightly different here from the Lord's Prayer we encounter in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, one, it is similar in the basic points, like you said, oh, which, which yeah. seems to be an affirmation that this was a common way that Jesus would teach people to pray, but it's not exactly word for word. And I think the Lord's Prayer is a beautiful text and it's instructive for us in how we pray. But even the fact that we've got two slightly different versions in two different gospels indicates you don't have to do it word for word, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be this rote thing. Instead, yeah. it's teaching us what are the important elements of prayer, right? An acknowledgement and praise of who God is, petitioning that he would in the general sense, bring about his righteousness on earth, your kingdom come, but also in the specific sense that he should, would provide for all of our needs, especially the important need of forgiveness of sins, and that that forgiveness of sins should lead us to love others in a similar kind of way. And so you don't have to say it word for word. Yep. Jesus apparently said it in different ways himself. Yeah. Uh, but the the message is important and really valuable for us as we think about how to pray, because, you know, all of us struggle with prayer. Uh, mm -hmm. what, am, what are we doing? What, how are we supposed to say this? And so Jesus knows this and gives us these instructions. And so a great way to get started if you want to pray in a, in a deeper way is just to take the Lord's Prayer. Start, you can start with these exact words, but then start to just reflect on what those words might mean for your life uh, yeah. today. Yeah, I think you're dead on. Like, And, and even the way it's presented, um, the it's a model it's an outline and, and you know there's definitely some like hocus pocus that has sort of surrounded the lord's prayer throughout christendom and um you know i'd uh i would have friends who like played sports in high school like all over the place and you know like this coach would just be like cussing them out and like just ripping into these like 16 year olds and then you know they'd gather around and say the lord's prayer at the end and, uh, you know, as though that was like the, the pleasing aroma to God after like <laughs> mentally abusing these kids. So, uh, so I think you're dead on. It's like, this is a model and, you know, we see, you know, it begins with this adoration, father, hallowed be your name. This like, uh, sanctifying the, the holiness of God and, and, you know, looking for his kingdom to grow on earth. And I, I've always loved the the daily bread line because it, you know, it points straight back to the Israelites in the wilderness and the manna uh, of heaven. And, you know, I, I love these stories together because God, he, he's not going to, he would not give the Israelites tomorrow's bread. They just mm -hmm. had to depend on his faithfulness. And if they tried to gather enough for tomorrow, it would rot in their tent. 
And, you know, and we see that same idea reiterated here by Jesus. Give us each day our daily bread. More importantly, forgive us our sins. And I think it's interesting, you know, I know we have more to cover, but um, the the forgiveness of our sins is built on this presupposition of that we are showing mercy to others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's not to say that we earn God's mercy because it's very clear uh, all throughout Scripture and throughout the gospel accounts that that's not true. But it is, you know, true that, you know, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And uh, that we cannot, you know, come to God expecting blessings when we're actually closing our hearts to the way that he's called us into, which is a way of love. So um, very helpful. And, uh, and, you know, just it's followed by this warm encouragement that, you know, the, if you who you're not a good person, like you're a sinful person. And if you know how to give kindly to your own children, how much more will God take care of you? That's just what comfort. It is. And the connection with the first part of that section, so verses 5 to 13, which is kind of helping you understand the nature of prayer, is the word bread. So give us each day our daily bread. And then we get this story of, well, let's say you have a friend who comes over and you got to give him some bread. Uh, So you go to your friend's house at midnight and say, give me three loaves of bread. The Greek is the same. Three loaves, the same word as bread up Mm -hmm. above in the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Uh, and Jesus, he's saying, listen, you may not give it to them because they're your friend, but just the fact that they had the audacity to show up at your door at midnight and ask for bread, oh you'll do it. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, the, yeah, which there's a parallel between this and Luke 18, which was one of my favorite parables, uh, in Luke where, where you have what's often called the impudent widow who's calling out to an unjust judge for justice mm-hmm. and Jesus mm-hmm affirms and even praises her for her impudence. So this is another mm-hmm. example of, but God, why why is impudence going to work? Because we have a father who loves us and who actually desires to answer our requests and provide for us. Uh, but I do think that <clears throat> uh, verse 11, uh, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? I mean, it's supposed to be ridiculous, but... I think there is a temptation to fall into thinking about God this way and thinking, mm-hmm. not trusting that God really has our best interests in mind mm-hmm. and that we're asking for fish and he's giving us serpents in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this verse actually encourages us to think differently about the way that God loves us because it's true, we don't always get what we want. You know, there's something you said uh, in an ODR that we did on Isaiah that's really stuck with me. You said that some pastor had asked you, if you get everything that you ask for in prayer, mm. how will, yeah. what would the world look like? Yeah. And would you just have, you know, a few more things? Would you pass a few more tests and, you know, yeah. or would the kingdom of God be more realized on, yeah. on earth? Yeah. Uh, and so I think sometimes we're asking for fish, but, what we're asked, what we think is fish, is not actually going to make us healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we think is a scorpion is actually, I guess, I guess it'd be like a little kid who 
you know, they want cake and their parent gives them broccoli. Uh, mm. And they think as a result, their parents are bad parents, but actually that's what they're doing to keep them alive and help them yeah. to, to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, then we have this, it, it moves into, you know, Jesus performs this exorcism and this demon that was mute goes out of a man. And, you know, so some of Jesus's, his haters are there and they, uh, they're like, oh, well, we know why Jesus can, you know, he's so good with demons because he has the power of Beelzebul. You know, he's casting mm-hmm. them out by the prince of demons. And one of my, this is one of my favorite sayings of Jesus is it's part of his response in verse 21. This is when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. And so in this picture that Jesus is painting, you know, Satan is the strong man. Beelzebub is the strong man. He's armed. He's got his palace full of goods, full of souls that he's protecting. But Jesus is the stronger man who's mm-hmm. come to attack him, to overcome him, and to take back those goods. And, and, you know, it's, it's this picture of Jesus robbing hell, you know, robbing there's a, there's an old piece of art. It's actually, there's a bunch of iterations of it. It's called the harrowing of hell. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a a version of it at the high museum in Atlanta right now. That is just stunning. Like it's a wood, wood block print and it is stunning, but it's basically uh, the harrowing of hell. If you look it up, it's these paintings where, it, you know, the scene is is hell and Jesus post-crucifixion, he, he's descended down there and he's basically like reaching in and pulling these sinners out of the dungeons and all these demons looked like freaked out. And, uh, you know, I don't know the, the historical and theological accuracy, but I think it, it does like line up very much with this, like Jesus has come to take back souls. And yeah. uh, it's it's a very like <laughs> epic image of our savior. Yeah, no, that's so powerful. Um, then we get this episode in 24 to 26 about this unclean spirit goes out of a person, passes through waterless places seeking rest, and then says, oh, I guess I'll just go back to where I came from. And when he comes back, he finds, that, finds the house swept and put in order and then mm-hmm. brings other spirits with him. And so mm-hmm. it concludes... The last state of the person is worse than the first. Uh, what do we do with this one? Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and I think the the central theme to, to me, like in my estimation, is there's no spiritual vacancy. There's no such thing as spiritual vacancy. Mm-hmm. And so basically, we, we are all, we're all filled with a spirit. You know, we all have a soul, and... and that soul interacts with the spiritual world. And if you are of the Lord, if you are of the resurrection of Christ, then you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what I don't think it's saying is that, you know, the those demon that demon might come back and, you know, kick the Holy Spirit aside and, you know, take you back down to the depths. But I think Jesus really is referring to, you know, he's performing all these signs and all these wonders. But, you know, what we begin to see in the gospel accounts is that not everyone who Jesus is, not everyone who he heals begins to follow Jesus. And, you know, like there's the, 
this isn't uh, exorcism, but there's the story of the 10 lepers and Jesus heals 10 lepers and they all go on their way. And one of them goes back to fall down and worship at the feet of Jesus. And so to me, it's this idea of, you know, you can, you can have a, you can encounter the Lord. And I think it connects to Hebrews six. Like you can encounter the Holy spirit and, and taste the divine goodness. Um, and yet not be filled with the Holy spirit and you don't just stay vacant, but, um, that actually leads to greater judgment. And, um, you know, you, you become more controlled by the powers of the world. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, as we're reading through Luke in these big chunks, we can put some pieces together and that can help us here because Mm. the, the Jesus juke we mentioned is the next Mm. section. Uh, Mm. and Jesus's conclusion is, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Mm. So I do wonder the image in verse 25 about the house being swept and put in order. It doesn't mention that it's inhabited in any way. It's just Mm. kind of this empty and ready to be inhabited. by. It's on the market. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Swept and put in order, just like a house that's on the market and it's doing open houses. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Um, but what does it mean for Jesus to dwell within us? And, and mm-hmm. I think the woman who Jesus jukes is kind of getting at it. You know, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nurse. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not just, it's about hearing God's word and keeping it. It's about doing what God has asked us to do. And we saw that mm-hmm. yesterday with the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Where mm-hmm. the, the the lawyer knows what he's supposed to do. But mm-hmm. Jesus challenges him to actually do it. So maybe that's the way you resist mm. this invasion, yeah. uh, demonic invasion, is by putting into action yeah. God's word. Yeah, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I think that's that's a great, uh, you know, that is the the refrain is hear the word of God and keep it. And um, and that's exactly where he lands in verse twenty eight. So. Um, and, and yeah, like that, that Jesus juke of the, the woman who blesses his mother, you know, it's, it's not enough to just be associated with Jesus in some mm. way that we as humans think of being associated with someone, but you have to know his word and keep it. That's the sign that you love him. Yeah. And, um, and so definitely applicable to us today and yep. another, a lot of great stuff here as we continue through Luke and I'm sure we're going to find more of it tomorrow. So for Will Kynes, this is Will Carlisle, and we will see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.